Heavy is the head that wears the crown. I frown at the thought that our queens may think that we mean them any harm in any shape or fashion, but I must admit that even though it isn't purposeful in nature, the hurt that we cause is learned behavior. Now don't get me wrong, beloveds, this isn't an excuse. I'm just saying to identify the problem, we have to start at its roots. Uprooting weeds, planting seeds of a fruitful beginning for our children and women gifted in the instant that we recognize them as our queens, the mothers to the earth, the nurture was to the world unfurled in the beauty obtained since birth. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, whatever <laughs> whatever time it is, wherever you're at in the world. I am Knowledge, the host of the Spoken Corner pod podcast. Um, let's get into today's topic. Now, today's topic will be, is the hurt that men cause, the hurt that we as men cause, is it learned behavior? Now, this is a very interesting topic. A lot of... Um, a lot of my peers, a lot, of, a lot of my friends been having this debate with me about, you know, the, the hurt that we cause as men, right? And the hurt that we actually always, I guess, bestow upon the women that we bring into our lives. How pretty much we, mm, how can I say? I think um, it's almost routine for us to cause this hurt. Um, but my argument to that is that I feel like it's, it's, it's just learned behavior. It's just... It stems from a cycle, a cycle that we have been introduced to as kids, and it's just within our culture. Um, prime example, you know, within a black community, it seems as though it's almost standard for the father not to be there, you know, which creates this gap in, you know, how the young man pretty much grows up to not really care for the women and nurture the woman as much as he should, you know. So that's pretty much today's topic, and pretty much I'm sharing you sharing with you my views on why it is so. Um, let's take a step back, right? You know, um, growing up, uh, I was raised pretty much around nothing but women, you know. Um, you know, growing up in Atlanta, right? It was mostly women in the household and just me. But then when, um, you know, as I got older, that's when my mom started dating and whatnot, right? Now, before this, I never really had any standard of, um, you know, nobody was ever, ever willing, I would say, to teach me the basics when it comes to dealing with women and nurture for a woman, you know, i.e. practicing chivalry, you know, open the door, <coughs> holding the door open for a woman, you know, um, rocking, walking on the curb side of the street, you know, to make sure that you're protecting from oncoming traffic, things like that, you know, and um, I never was taught that, you know, um, I had to realize and understand that as I got older how to really nurture and care for a woman, right? The proper way, you know? And um, I just think that our dealings with women nowadays just come from a place of unfamiliarity, right? Uh, growing up, it's always been a popular thing to just, you know, have random chicks, just to be that dude who had like five or seven hoes, you know what I'm saying? Like just, you know, as we would call them, no disrespect, please don't take it as such, but this is some of the things that we was referring to growing up you know what i'm saying this is just how we was raised well i would say me you know around my peers you know it was like damn bro you know they'll be like yo damn bro rob you bro you ain't doing your numbers man i'm doing my numbers like you know what i'm saying i got all these holes and this and the third blah, blah blah so it all it was more so like how many trophies you had you know what i'm saying it went and it and it, and it was kind of like almost bragging rights you feel me so um a lot of the things that we do or and, I, and I'm guilty of it, you know, I, I can't say that I've had, I have hurt before in my past, you know, but um, 
I can't really say that it came from a place of of some of, of spite. You know, it was just more so like, all right, that's the popular thing to do. You know what I'm saying? That's what I'm used to doing. You feel me? Like moving a certain way. You know what I mean? And then it just perpetuates the cycle even further. So if you're young, if you're a young man who's raised by his mother and his mother is constantly, which I think that it's kind of hard for for a uh, young young mother in today's society to raise a young man today for real you know because you know we get to a certain age to where we just feel as though that there's nothing she could tell you you know what i'm saying nothing that mom dudes can tell you because you're feeling yourself a certain you know too much or whatnot and um and it's just certain things that we need to be taught there's certain things that we need to certain teachings that i feel like we have to be valued right by the teacher which i think should be a strong male figure in the household or whatever you know it doesn't even have to be the household it could just be like a random mentor within a neighborhood you know somebody needs to grab that little boy that little young black man by the collar and just hold him up and say hey you know go about things this way think about it in this way you know vice um having to be led to be raised by the streets you know what i'm saying which creates and perpetuates the cycle of the continuous hurt you know what i mean so i think where I felt, well, I really, I really can't say failed, but the thing that really shaped me was um, growing up, and I didn't really have anybody to show me, um, you know, hey, that you're really that protective for this woman. You know what I'm saying? I really didn't have to, nobody to see that because, you know, Mom Dukes mostly was at work, so we just had to raise ourselves basically. And then my peers, you know, the older kids in the neighborhood, they bestowed these views in me right so naturally if i'm getting this from all my peers and i'm trying to cool and you know when you're young it's super impressionable right it's um you always want to fit in i don't give i don't really care who who you are you know what i'm saying at a young age you do want to fit in so you're going to want to do what all the kids are doing that's you know fitting in which was you know have all these holes and whatever the case may be so you know that kind of bleeds over until you know adulthood you know to the to the point of where it's just getting your subconscious so you might do some things right if you feel like you want to be with somebody seriously but end up hurting them in the process you know you were so you were so used to hurting them before you just brought that into your adulthood you know what i'm saying so nobody could really decipher the two you know what i mean and um that's where i think you know we we fail right we have to sometimes end that cycle and um try to teach our young men you know within the community something different you know now granted you know people some people are just natural assholes that's just how it is you know um, but you can out, you can pretty much weed them out, you know, because a lot of us really do have good intentions at heart, which kind of bring me to my next topic. I wanted to talk about a lot of these social media gurus who call the, they selves these hope dealers, right? They, they like to give these temporary fixes by playing on some of the young ladies emotions, right? Um, prime example, I remember, uh, uh, listening to this poem by this, uh, what's his dude's name? I think his name was like Poetic Style. Um, no shot, no, no shade at him at all, but you know, he was talking about a certain topic and I thought it was kind of corny. Like, he was like, uh, he was like, be ready for someone who, uh, replies all to the whole text message and all this other stuff. Like, <laughs> and I was just thinking, I just thought it was corny because most men, for real, like, we, you know, we're so simple, you know what I mean? <laughs> we're so simple, right? So, uh, you may have said something in a paragraph or whatever the case may be. That doesn't mean that the man doesn't love you at all. He just got a short attention span or he worried about something else. Like, it just doesn't mean that 
he's not focused on you or don't love you like certain things like that but the women will be like yo like you're right like man that's that's dope man you're right you know they'll post all this stuff and and go all this and do all this stuff on social media when they are in a hurtful state but then these hope dealers are playing on their emotions so which in fact turns these hope dealers into emotional dope dealers right they're providing this temporary fix for your problem or your issue that you have with the said individual that you are dealing with right but what happens you go back to this individual and then i think that a lot of times in our society too the women we get so used to it that if they get so used to it that they feel that it feeds into their subconscious you know what i mean like um it's even in the music that we listen to you know everything now is like bitches hoes and whatever the case may be and a lot of women are repeating these lyrics you know what i'm saying but it's play it's playing into their subconscious so if you are hurt or when you are hurt by an, a man that you may be dealing with or whatever the case may be you're still forgiving and you wanted to accept him and you want him to be a better man however it's kind of like you're almost used to it you feel what i'm saying like even though you know the hurt is is there you feel a hurt but it's like damn like well i can expect this from a black man which is sad but like i said we have to change that cycle you know what i'm saying and um be wary of whatever you feed your spirit you know um don't let these people and i hope you all don't take this wrong the wrong way at all you know but don't let people who i guess like to play on your emotions you know uh, I guess with their semi-motivational speeches Don't allow them to pretty much dictate your actions You know, because at the end of the day they're, they're, It's your choices, you know So make sure that you're making these choices with a clear head You know And trust me, um, I'm not making an excuse for us at all, ladies I'm not, I'm not at all I'm just saying that Try to, try to look at it from our perspective You know what I'm saying? And um, yeah <laughs> I mean, it sounds so bad. It sounds really so bad. It really sounds like I'm making an excuse, but I really, I'm really, I'm not. I'm just saying no. It's always more sides to the spectrum, you know. Then we try to, then I try to myself to look at it from you all's perspective as well, you know. Um, when we are talking about these topics and when are we um, discussing these things, I like to think about it from the woman's perspective or try to place myself in her shoes if I was, you know, what I'm saying, in that situation. But yeah, a lot of times we just we just so used to not having that that male guidance to where we just do what everybody else is doing and then that just like i said perpetuates the cycle so um yeah man don't on us all <laughs> don't give up on us please don't just trust me i believe that we'll get it right eventually one day but that's definitely what i feel um i feel strongly about I definitely feel strongly about that you know um yeah, most definitely, most definitely. But um, I want to take this time to answer a couple of questions from the last podcast. Um, it got a lot of crazy reviews. Um, I was so surprised at how many people actually listened to it and gave me this feedback. And I just want to say I thank you all and I love you all. And I just see this becoming really big. And I just want you all to um, continue this journey. You know, like I said, um, I have way more episodes to put out a lot of things I want to talk about and a lot of my pieces that I want to share with you all. Um, you know, but let's get into these questions. So the first question that I was asked, right? <laughs> Somebody was uh, being smart. Um, in the last episode, I said that I had been doing poetry or, or writing for like 
16, 17 years. But <laughs> I had mentioned when, you know, I wrote my first poem when I was eight. So to clear that up, basically what I'm saying is, even though that was my first poem, I didn't really take, take it serious until about 17 years ago, you know? That's what I meant by that. So it wasn't that my math was off or <laughs> nothing like that. I was just saying that I didn't really take it serious until 17, 16 years ago. No. Um, and another person asked me, um, I'm going to read. They said I could share their name, but it's Sasha87. She asked me, she asked me if I continued to speak to, um, to um, Mrs. Miller at that time. And I was like, hmm. Nah, I didn't. It was so hard because, like I said, she was a counselor, so I had to interact with her on a day to day. But um, I didn't really have too much words for Shawty. I mean, <laughs> I'm gonna just keep it all the way gangster. Like we, I, I didn't have any words for her at the time. You know, I was eight. You know, and I took it, I took it real personal. So, um, you know, it almost got, it almost affected me to the point of where I just didn't want to write anything. I didn't want to pursue anything because I always felt like somebody would believe that I never put effort into whatever I did or I plagiarized somebody work or whatever the case may be. So um, it kind of shaped, shaped me in that in that way. So no, I never really um, spoke to her too much after that, but um, I didn't really, I didn't really fully did another person ask me, um, I'm going to go to the next question real quick, but uh, another person asked me, um, do I remember the first time that I performed? Um, yeah. I did, right? So the first time I actually performed any of my pieces was um was at this place in Atlanta. It's called the Apache Cafe. And um I was young, man. I was like super young, but everybody had been telling me that I should be that I should do it, you know, I should I should do it and do and, uh, and, uh, and um partake in slams and all this other stuff and I was always you know, a little skeptical about that just because I used to think that, you know, well I can't write as good as this person or I can't write as good as that person. You know, and I was steady thinking about how my work would be compared to somebody else's vice just going out and doing it damn thing, you know. So um my first performance on stage was at Apache Cafe in Atlanta, Georgia, Georgia. And if anybody know how Atlanta, Georgia give it up, especially at these open mics, they're gonna let you know something. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you that now. Like, um, you know, a lot of um famous people came out of the Apa Apache Cafe. Tyler Perry shot a lot of his movies there, right? So I just really it was like super nervous, man, and I can't, man, before I hopped on that stage, I, Lord, Lord strike me down if I'm lying right now, I swear to God, I thought my stomach <laughs> shot to my foot, I ain't never been so nervous in my life, they say that stage fright shit is real, trust me, trust me, trust me, but um, I had this piece called The Brighter Picture, and I had wrote that just, just as soon as I graduated military school or whatever, you know, I had changed my life around and shit, so um, I had wrote that piece, and um, I performed it, and I was like, and they, they was clapping, like, that was clapping. I was like, damn, I kind of got, like, a high off that, you know what I mean? And um, I was like, man, like, <laughs> I could do this. I could do this, right? So then I had wrote another piece, you know, let, actually, as soon as I got off stage, I got to writing again, right? I just I was just feeling something. And um, I got to writing again, and then I was like, nah. I'm like, I ain't feeling this. So I was like, you know, I'm going to keep riding away from the first piece that I wrote, right? So... You know, I'm, I'm, every time I hop on stage or every time I went to the open mic, I was looking for more open mics throughout the city. Like, I would just go and just try to, like, find these open mics, man, and just crush them. But I was hearing the other local artists, and these these cats was, like, super dope. Like, I'm talking, like, metaphors, you know. They was kind of, like, throwing, like, acting methods into their... It was, like, all crazy, right? 
And I was like, damn, like, I'm supposed to be doing all this. And I'm thinking that this poem that I wrote, I got all these bars. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> excuse me. Um, I'm thinking I got all of these bars, you feel me? Like, and they just shut me up. <laughs> like, but, um, yeah, I still remember the first piece I wrote, too. And, um, yeah. <laughs> so I kind of went long on that on that question. But, um, okay, so I got another question. She said, uh, do you remember the first piece and can you spit up? <laughs> Yeah, uh, I do remember the first piece. Like I said, it was called um, The Brighter Picture. And um, you can see the difference in my, um, I guess, in my writing method and my crafting ability when it comes to that. So when I wrote that, you know, that was X amount of years ago. So it was like completely, it was completely different than what I write now. Like, so the way that this goes is like, um, how many people feel as if they have a voice and can't use it? Often muted by adulterated people who say we can abuse it through word schemes and music. See, I was a part of this stigma till I was shown a brighter picture. No longer rolling up these swishes or drinking from 40 ounce pitches of malt liquor that made my vision flicker. Sometimes I was mischievous, throwing up gang signs and banging to the hood as rhymes until I realized that it was just a disguise to hide the true prize of being a righteous man, one who's firm when he stands means what he says and is measured by the choices that he makes and own up to his mistakes. Now that's a real man. Now don't get it twisted, I still react and adjust as such, but when I reach back, it's not a gun that I clutch, but a diploma. The sweet aroma of success I have achieved on my own, despite negative actions of my past from which I don't condone. Now, here I stand, a man, ready to pull the hand of a young man to teach him life, has no plan to teach him to pull up his damn plan and to walk like a man should. Erect, ready for any challenges life may throw his way. So I say, I stand before you as a man today. <laughs> I messed up on a little bit on that one. Um, it's been a while since I spit that, but that's the first one that I ever wrote and ever performed. And um, yeah, and I was just, you know, I was so happy about that piece and everybody was feeling it. And it was like, man, your word play crazy. They was putting a battery in my back, man. So I was just like, man, I'm just keep doing it right. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so that was the, um, the very first piece. And um, yeah, ever since then, I just kept writing numerous, numerous amounts of pieces, featured in numerous amounts of things. I've written plays and um, stage plays and, you know, all of that stuff like that. So it's, it's just been a um, ever evolving process. Um, yeah. So that's it for this week's episode of the Spoken Corner. Um, thank you all for who's listening. Um, and like I said, I appreciate all the love that I got. On the first episode, man, it just means so much to see how much support that I have and all the new supporters too. So the next episode, I plan on answering more questions that were asked from the first and this episode once it hits the stream or whatever. But um, yeah, man, love you all. Love, live life, please. Take care.